With us tonight, Mr. George Bozica of the amazing Professional Football Researchers Association. We tout you guys all the time. I speak for many, many a tabletop board gamer. I say thank you, thank you, bless you for all the amazing work you do, the statistics, the history, the color of the game going back decades. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about the PFRA's history and mission and your upcoming conference, which you're organizing July 27th to 30th in Pittsburgh. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. The PFRA began in 1979 in Canton. Correct. It was founded at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The mission was threefold, to foster a study of pro football as a significant and athletic institution, to establish an accurate record of pro football, and then to obviously disseminate the research. And that has basically been our purpose since then. If you love pro football and you love anything about pro football, our organization is for you. I think it's one of the best deals around for people living in the United States, $35 a year. If you live in Canada, it's 40. If you live overseas and you'd be surprised how many overseas members we have, it's 50 bucks. So that gets you a year uh, membership. As you said uh, about some of the things that we have, uh, members get six editions of our magazine, the uh, Coffin Corner, uh, which is full of uh, articles about, you know, history of the game. Not only not only American pro football, but also uh, Canadian pro football and, and some of the leagues that are now defunct, the World Football League, the USFL. So, you know, we cover the gamut of pro football. We also have that is only open to our members, our members only section, which I always say is just a treasure trove of information. We have, you know, game books, line scores, player deaths through the years. We have a section on the All-America football conference. We have stuff in there about the World Football League. It's just amazing everything that's in there. Uniform database. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing thing. And that's only available to members. We started a book series a couple of years ago on great teams and pro football history. We've covered the 66 Packers, the 58 Colts and the 51 Rams. And we're in the process of the 64 uh, bills, which will uh, come out hopefully by the end of next year, 2024, on the anniversary of their championship. And they're the first Entire, well, at that time, they were the and obviously AFL champs before the merger. So they'll be the first actually AFL team that we've covered. But since they were back-to-back champions in 64 and 65, uh, we felt they were deserving of that. Uh, and then we recently, uh, since I'm on your podcast, we just recently started our own podcast. Uh, and we hosted our second episode yesterday. We covered the death of Chuck Hughes, who is the only NFL player to uh, die during a game. Uh Obviously, we did this because of what happened to Mar Hamlin, and we just thought the historical significance of what happened to Chuck Hughes and how it's sort of affected things, you know, throughout the history of how to handle situations like that. Uh, but it was an amazing to see the differences, you know, between how it was handled then and now, and then also see the similarities, you know, how how it affected the players then, how it affected the players now. It just it was really amazing to see that sort of juxtaposition. So uh, that actually was just posted yesterday. So uh, we're, we're really happy with that one. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're just, uh, you know, I, a shameless plug. I just think we're, you know, a great organization for the pro football fan and historian. Uh, I always tell people go to profootballresearchers.org. Uh, you can join there and you can just see a little bit about more about what we're all about. Oh, it's the best $35 you'll ever spend. Those game logs alone, you can just spend hours and hours 
pouring over those games. And it's mm-hmm. interesting you mentioned the 64 Bills as the next uh, next team up. That was the first uh, official uh, season of AFL that uh, APA issued back in 1965. Do you want to take a quick guess at how those uh, first uh, AFL teams from those Chargers, the Oilers to the Bills would have truly fared against the NFL teams, the Eagles to Packers? Everybody always says that that Chargers team maybe was the 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 key team uh, since they you know dominated so much. But you know I think any of those AFL championship teams would have fared well. Uh, I think it would actually one of the things we're going to cover in the Bills book is a point counterpoint of what would have happened if the '64 Bills and the '64 Browns had met. Uh, and you know we we do cover that. So you know I I think it's always interesting to debate because you see what the Packers did the first two years. Uh, but I just sort of have to believe that there would have been possibly, you know, a close game in there. And, and, you know, who knows, you know, I mean, those Oilers teams were great. Uh, that that's chargers team with Sid Gilman as a coach was an amazing team. They would have faced up. It would have been that, that offense that they had versus that great defense that the bears had that year, uh, which was one of the great defenses. Uh, that would have been an interesting game. You know, I, I, I think maybe it was the perfect storm when the Packers, you know, met uh, the Chiefs and the Raiders because the NFL had something to prove. Not to say they wouldn't have had something to prove, but it would have started earlier than that. But I, those are always interesting debates. And those Texans, too, in 62. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Caniglio approves of this message. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so how, going back, I mean, we talk about uh, the uh, difficulty in getting data. You know, John Turney uh, took his sack project back as far as the 1960s season. Now you've got game books go back to uh, the 40s, uh, pre-40s, back to even turn of the century. I mean, and of course, 1920, Canton Bulldogs, all that good stuff, Portsmouth Spartans of the 30s. I mean, does this data, is more data being unearthed? Uh, do you have it somewhere in your archives that it's kind of just being compiled and waiting to be released? You know, our, our games books committee is always looking for new information and, you know, scouring, you know, newspapers. Uh, I know that they contact the Hall of Fame to see what the Hall of Fame has. Uh, you know, John Kendall, who's the, uh, you know, head of the archives at the, at the Hall of Fame at the Research Center, you know, does a fantastic job. You know, it, it's just a matter of, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, if, if there are teams that are still in existence, the teams are contacted, but sometimes you'd be surprised what the teams don't even have. You know, so, you know, I mean, there's a number of different ways, but, you know, they're always looking for, you know, additional information to try to add to the database, you know, and every once in a while we get something and it's always, you know, a great thing. I mean, but, you know, as you said, if you look in the, in the section, you know, we have things all the way back to 1933. And then even before that, people have compiled things from newspapers and things like that to show, you know, some of the even games in the late 1800s. Uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's really fascinating, you know, the work that goes into that, but, uh, the, our committee does a great job in terms of trying to put that stuff together and still trying to find more stuff to add to the database. Cause on some of the early years, you know, whereas in some of the later years, obviously we have a hundred percent of the data. If you go back to some of the earlier years, it's, it's sometimes a smaller percentage because it just depends on what's available and what we can unearth. Well, of course, now we're awash in data. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sharp football analysis. Now, I was recently gifted for Christmas this incredible book by one Mr. Rupert Patrick, A Statistical History of yeah. uh, Pro Football. Uh, you know, tell me about, if you would, maybe uh, about Rupert Patrick and about that work and about the you know, how the PFRA is looking to present 
more advanced football data as it's becoming accumulated. Yeah, Rupert Sally uh, passed. He was uh, one of the leading, you know, researchers in our game books committee, and that was that book was a labor of love for him uh, in terms of putting that together. In fact, I have my own copy here right next to me in my my uh, bookcase right next to me where I'm talking to you. Uh, you know, and it's a fabulous book what he was able to put together. You know, it was a real loss for us because Rupert would always do some of the uh, game summary sections uh, and usually the championship game for the teams that we covered. Uh, you know, we missed him uh, in terms of that because he would always be so meticulous in terms of the stuff that, you know, he would put together. Uh, you know, he started researching field goals and missed field goals and the distances and all this. I mean, he was just amazing the amount of time that he put into that to get those, you know, to get those statistics and to put that all together. So, uh, yeah, Rupert was quite a guy. We, we really miss him. And, uh, that was a great book and sort of a testimony to, you know, just some of the work that he did, uh, you know, when he passed suddenly. And of course we have to now look at, uh, missed, uh, points after touchdown a little more closely after that. Right. Time. We do, we do, we do. You know, one of the difficulties too is, is that you can, yeah, I know myself, you can research and research and research. And it's a matter of de- determining, you know, what is valid, you know, because you it, it's amazing to me in researching the books that we did that you can look at a number of different sources, newspaper articles, sometimes even player accounts. And you see and it's not so much you see inaccuracies, you see differences. So then you have to sort of make a determination through you know, research. And I think that's the fun of the research is to get into that and, you know, and and look at as many sources as you can. And obviously with some of the older players, you know, they're no longer with us. Uh, you know, we were lucky when we did the Packers book that, and it's, and it's amazed to me since then how many of them passed away, but we were able to interview, you know, a handful of the, of the former Packers. We, we were not quite as lucky with the Colts and the Rams because there was only one 51 Ram player that was still alive when we did the book. And we did interview him, uh, Joe Reed, uh, but then he passed. Uh, so we were lucky to get an interview of him before. Uh, you know, for the Bills book, we interviewed their longtime trainer, Eddie Abramowski, and then, and then Eddie passed away. You know, we, we try to, you know, interview players on these teams, but that's, that's part of it is sometimes, you know, you want to get those accounts. But I'll be honest, I've even seen players in different things where they say something and then you see something that they say that's a completely different. So sometimes it's their recollection too, you know, but I mean, you feel like that's a firsthand account. So you feel like you got to go with that, but it's, sometimes it's interesting how over a period of years, you know, maybe they remember things just a little bit differently. And then you read this and that, and you got to say, well, geez, what's, what's the correct story or what, what should I go along with? You know, so that that's part of the fun and sometimes part of the difficulty in research. Sure. Sure. There's, I mean, there has to be almost some, I hate to say subjective, but you have to kind of make some judgment calls. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you really do. Really do. And that, that's part of, you know, what you have to go through as a researcher and, you know, and anything, not only sports research, but any kind of research. You can only hope that the more detailed you are, the better your product is going to be. Well, it's already uh, most amazing. I mean, there's nothing really like, I mean, on the baseball side, you've got Sabre and actually I have a little uh, section devoted to uh, tabletop gaming and things like that. And certainly uh, designers use these statistics, I think, to kind of refine their game. Certainly players do that as well. And again, you know, you've got so much more advanced data uh, now. Is that something where the PFRA will try to devote more attention to uh, this you know, the, the, just the 
explosion in new precision data, passing stats, et cetera? Yeah, you know, those questions are starting to come up too. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we're going to take advantage of anything we can to do a better job of telling the story of the game. We have to evolve with the, 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 the technology. And, you know, I think we are trying to do that as, you know, as best we can to, you know, take advantage of the newer, you know, technology, the newer research. I mean, just look at the, I, I mean, it's amazing. You know, I mean, I think we're about the same age looking at you. I mean, you know, it's amazing what we had when we were, you know, younger. And now, you know, with the explosion of the internet and all the information you can get on that. And again, sometimes you got to watch that too, because, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, just because something's in say Wikipedia doesn't necessarily mean that's a good source. You know, sometimes you, what you do is you can see what it says and then look at what they quoted and then go back to that and say, okay, is that resource good or is that questionable? You know, so, uh, you know, I, I, I would caution people that, to say that, you know, sometimes the stuff you read in some of those sections are not the best. So you want to sort of maybe do your own sort of footwork as to, well, who can be trusted too, because there are so many things online too that you see. And, you know, many can be, but some, you know, maybe not so much. Not to say that everything on Wikipedia, but, you know, because there's a lot of good things. I always think Wikipedia is a good sometimes starting point. It's sort of an outline. Exactly. And then sort of go from that, you know, so I, I, I think sometimes that I don't discount it because it can be a good, you know, maybe starting point and say, well, what resources are there? Because sometimes you'll read, say, a piece on a player and then, well, you'll see a bunch of, you know, uh, a bibliography and then you'll see a bunch of footnotes. You say, OK, well, that's what I want to get into, because maybe there's a book there that I wasn't aware of or, you know, an article or something like that. So then you go to that and see, well, what does that say? And then you go from there. It's a bit of a hunt. I wanted to mention one other thing about the organization, our Hall of Very Good. Mm -hmm. uh, starting in 2002, uh, we started what's called the Hall of Very Good to sort of honor players that possibly didn't necessarily make it into the Hall of Fame, but were still, you know, uh, players and coaches that, that were still worthy of some type of recognition. So every year we induct, you know, uh, players, coaches into our Hall of Very Good since 2002. And it's amazing since we started it, how many then eventually make it into the Hall of Fame. And if you look on our website, uh, right on our homepage, you can see the Hall of Very Good logo. And if you click on that, you can see the list of everybody that's in the Hall of Very Good. And we have asterisks beside those that are eventually made it into the Hall of Fame. It's, you know, quite nice to see that, you know, some of them do finally make, you know, to into the Hall of Fame. So, uh, and we'll be announcing our most recent class here soon. So, uh, uh, we're really excited about that also. And that's something that, that we do. The members nominate and then vote. And then one of our members, Andy uh, Piaszczak, uh, does a final tally and basically uh, runs that uh, Hall of Very Good and uh, basically sort of oversees that. That is actually really important. Uh, Chuck Howley, for instance. Yes. It's amazing sometimes those, uh, they're on sort of on the fence, uh, you know, but sometimes it's just because maybe the case hasn't been made strong enough. And then people realize, well, you know, they deserve to be in. I'm glad that the hall finally decided to look at those seniors that maybe, you know, fell through the cracks. I think back to, I think it was 05 when Benny Friedman and Fritz Pollard made it in. And they were two that you could possibly could have argued maybe should have been in, one, in, the, in possibly the charter class or one of the early classes of the hall of fame back in the sixties and never made the grade. And then in 2005, they both went in. Um, so, you know, it's, it's always good to see those seniors that were deserving and somehow, you know, fell through the cracks, but they still get in or a couple of years ago with the hundredth anniversary when they had the super class, 
when they, you know, basically did that with guys like Alex Karras, Duke Slater, and some of those others. So uh, it was always good to see that. I actually grew up in Canton. Uh, I was within, I grew up within walking distance of the Hall of Fame. So that was how I got my original love for the history of the game because we went to the Hall of Fame Festival when I was a kid back in the 60s every single year wow. uh, and still continue to go when, uh, when I can fit it into my schedule. But, uh, you know, it just, it was, it was a lot of fun for being, you know, a kid growing up in Canton with the Hall of Fame that close. So sort of got my love from that. And, you know, obviously my dad being a fan too. So if we didn't go to the enshrinement, when they used to have the enshrinement on the steps of the Hall of Fame, they now they have it in the stadium. And I don't know how many people realize that much like the Baseball Hall of Fame, they used to have the enshrinement right on the steps of the Hall of Fame. And it was sort of symbolic because they would even sort of say that you then, you know, is going to enter the hall. And I always liked that. I know that it's the big, you know, NFL shindig that it is now, you know, in the stadium and everything. But it really was meaningful when it used to be those early years when it was right on the steps of the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and you know, and you would see the Entrinees sitting there and, you know, their families would be sitting there. It wasn't a huge crowd now that you see, you know, in uh, in Tom Benson Stadium, formerly Fawcett Stadium, but it's a, it was a much different affair back then. I miss those days, actually, of that. I think that was, you know, it had a lot more symbolism than sometimes the pomp and circumstance that they have now. Yeah, that that intimate setting. I mean, uh, I mean, some of the in induction speeches, I mean, Lambert, for instance, I mean, yeah. just <laughs> incredible moments. Um, mm -hmm. Moving ahead here to the summer, speaking of induction time, you know, uh, the, the uh, summer, uh, July, August, uh, your convention, July 27th to 30th, is going to be before induction month. Uh, yep. A lot of great stuff on tap there. Uh, $100 for non-members, $75 for members. You get some add-on tours of uh, the Heinz History Museum and Acrisure. Still think mm -hmm. it's Heinz. But, <laughs> and, uh, yep. and some really cool folks, if you would tell us a little bit about what you've got on tap this year. Yeah, we're real excited about uh, what's coming up in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we have our our conventions every other year. Um, and we usually try to go to uh, an NFL city or a, or a football themed city. We've been to, you know, Cleveland. Uh, we had, uh, and then we've been to Green Bay. Uh, actually, before Cleveland, we were even in New York at, at NFL Films. Um, we've been to uh, uh, Buffalo. Uh, and then last convention was in Canton, which was supposed to be during the centennial year. But because of COVID, we had to push it to uh, 2021. And, uh, you know, and, and trying to decide, well, where are we going to go for 23? We always sort of have a short list of cities that we're interested in. And uh, we finally sort of settled on Pittsburgh. Uh, and as you said, it's going to be the weekend of July 27th through the 30th. You know, traditionally, we have a Friday evening session, which would be on the 28th, and then a Saturday all day session. Uh, and, you know, basically what our conventions are is it's a mix of uh, speakers. Uh, we try to get former players to come in. Uh, and we usually try to theme it, you know, to the area. Uh, and when we were in Green Bay, it was obviously had a Green Bay theme, Buffalo, Buffalo theme. Canton was more about the centennial and, and that. Um, we're sort of, our theme this time is Western PA, uh, but we're also going to have some other topics. We don't want to, you know, um, sometimes People want to hear all that, but then sometimes people want a little bit of change of pace. So we will have some changes of paces in there too. We always try to do that uh, uh, just in response to, you know, our membership and what they want to hear. But uh, we've already had a number of, you know, speakers lined up that we're excited about. 
one section that we're doing this year that we've never done before is we're going to do a section on uh, women's pro football because there's a women's pro team in Pittsburgh called the Passion. And uh, one of their uh, co-owners, uh, Teresa Kahn, and also she's also the co-coach with Lisa Horton, who was a former quarterback, and they both agreed to come and speak uh, in Pittsburgh. So we're going to do a section on uh, women's pro football. That team was actually co-owned by Franco Harris. They've had a lot of success. They wear the same colors as the Steelers. Uh, if you see the uniform, it's the, the black and the uh, gold. But uh, they've had a lot of success and uh, actually have had three undefeated seasons and a, a championship. And so they've, they've, been, they've been successful. They've been very successful. So we just thought it would be a nice change of pace to hear the perspective of what, what, what it's like uh, to play women's professional football, coach women's professional football, and, and uh, and run an organization like that at, at that level. So, and they've had a lot of success. Um, so we're really excited about that. We're also hoping as we have in the past to get some former NFL players to come in. We, we've been sort of working on that. Uh, and normally we found in the past that normally we're able to line those up a little bit closer because of schedules and things like that. Uh, but we've had uh, Thurman Thomas when we were in Buffalo, who's in the hall of fame. We had David, Dave Robinson, when we were actually in Canton or in uh, I should say when we were in uh, uh, Cleveland uh, because he lives in Northeast Ohio now, even though he played for the Packers uh, and he actually was close with some of the, the Browns alumni. And so we were able to contact him and he was uh, our speaker on Friday night when we were in, uh, in Cleveland. Uh, we also had Jim Houston and Dick Shafrath when we were in Cleveland and they both actually uh, played in the sixties for the Browns. Uh, Dick Shafrath was, a uh, great offensive lineman and was one of uh, Jim Brown's leading uh, uh, blockers. Uh, and when we were in uh, uh, Green Bay, we had Zeke Bratkowski, who was a great backup to, uh, to Bart Starr. And uh, I got to interview Zeke, uh, invited him to come, and then Zeke sadly passed away. Uh, so, uh, you know, but he did come and speak. And also Bob Long, who was one of their receivers, came and spoke. And they had some great stories. Uh, as did Dave Robinson, you know, talking about, you know, Lombardi and just the, you know, the Packers and everything else. And then Canton, we had Bob Vogel, who played for the Colts uh, during the Shoeless 60s years. And Bob Vogel is actually originally from Maslin, uh, Maslin and, and Canton, obviously. Uh, and he played for the Maslin Tigers high school team, which is part of the great McKinley-Maslin rivalry in the Star County area, uh, in that area, which you know, even dates back to the Canton Masson rivalry of the original, you know, uh, pro football teams. Uh, and Bob spoke about that. Bob played for then Woody Hayes at Ohio State, and then he played for Shula uh, with the uh, with the uh, Colts. And so Bob came in. Uh, we also had two other speakers, uh, Mark Miller, who was a backup quarterback for the Browns during the cardiac kid years uh, with Brian Sipe and that whole group and Sam Ritigliano. And then we also had Roger Duffy. Uh, who was a lineman that uh, played for a number of teams. Uh, so we, we always try to get, you know, some former players to come in and tell their, you know, quote unquote war stories. Cause we find that anywhere from a hall of famer to, as we say, a guy that just had a cup of coffee in the NFL, they've got great stories to tell. And that's your, you know, it, it just, there's nothing better than that kind of history, you know, to talk about the players they played with the coaches, they, that uh, coached them and just that whole thing. Plus the different eras to, to show, you know, what, what it was like, you know, 
Mark Miller was a guest on our first podcast also because he lives in the area here. And, you know, he said that, you know, I, he was a backup quarterback that, you know, signed for good money at the time. But he said he just missed out on the big money by about a year or two. And he said he often wonders, you know, what would that have been like? Because, you know, he signed, I think he said, for thirty or 40000 and just missed out on those, you know, million-dollar bonuses that they were starting to give out. So, you know, it was a different different economic structure of, of pro football back then that, you know, changed rather quickly um, until, you know, morphed into what we have now, 230, $240 million quarterback contracts. Uh, so, uh, and as you said, too, we do the add-ons, which is something that we started. Uh, and, you know, we try to pick things that are in the area that we think will be of interest. So, as you said, we're going to be going to the Heinz History, Mu- History Museum, uh, and we're also going to go to Latrobe. Uh, their historical society does a presentation on uh, sort of the fact and fiction of what Latrobe's role was in, in the original, you know, founding of pro football and all that. So we have that. Uh, and then, as you said, we're going to Akershire, which I still think of as Heinz Field. But uh, yeah, so we always do that. Actually, every city we've been in, we've done a stadium tour. We've been really fortunate. Uh, we, we went to Lambeau. We went to uh, uh, Brown Stadium. We went to uh, Orchard Park. Uh, the bills. So we've, uh, we've been to all the stadiums and it's always interesting to see the different stadiums and the facilities and everything else. And here are the stories about the stadiums. Well, I guess, yeah, you could never have gone to some of those, uh, those seventies uh, marvels like three rivers or uh, oh yeah <laughs> those bowl shaped concrete bowls. Right. You know, I remember seeing some articles back in the day in sports illustrated that showed, you know, what was football going to be like when you got into, you know, the future and the stadiums. And it's really interesting to see, you know, they, they showed these sort of sleek uh, space-like stadiums. And you know what, if you look at what's coming up, I mean, and what's been coming up recently, I mean, it's starting to look that way. You know, I mean, it, it, it wasn't so far-fetched. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, when we were in grade school, they talked about, you know, computers and they thought, and, and you saw the big unit back that took up the whole room. You know, and then, you know, now look at where we're at now. You know, everybody's going to have a computer. Oh, really? You know, as I remember they telling us that. But it's really interesting when you see some of these articles that were back in the day in, you know, Sports Illustrated. I remember uh, Sporting News did some stuff on baseball. And, you know, what was baseball going to be like? You know, and they, they jokingly talked about during the 100th anniversary of baseball, they talked, well, what's going to happen on, say, the 200th anniversary of baseball? And they said, well, the Dodgers were going to be called the Luna City Dodgers because they were going to be the first team on the moon. So, you know, I mean, you know, just that kind of stuff. But, you know, some of that is obviously very, very, very far-fetched and fun to talk about. But I remember seeing some, like, you know, things about, you know, what player uniforms are going to look like and, you know, stadiums and stuff like that. And some of that stuff was not so far-fetched when you see some of the stuff now. So, yeah, but you're right, though, about those uh, 70s uh, stadiums. <laughs> not, not the most uh, comfortable confines, that's for yeah. sure. Is there a cap to the number of people who can attend the conference this year? 60 to 75. Uh, but, uh, and that's normally about, you know, what we've, uh, we've had uh, most of the years that we've done these. So that's sort of what we plan on. Uh, we have room for more, but that's normally what we sort of plan on and uh, engage. And that's normally, uh, you know, about the numbers that we get in most of the places we've gone to. And you mentioned your membership, particularly overseas. How is a uh, PFRA membership trended? I believe we were at 600 total members last year. Uh, I'm doing that off the top of my head without pulling up uh, the stats that we have in our annual report, but I believe we were at 600. So we're trending upward. So, 
And it just amazes me when we see how many we have that are overseas. And we've even had some of our overseas members come to uh, some of our, uh, uh, come to our convention. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's always exciting. Uh, we had one of our overseas members from Italy come to our convention. So, uh, you know, so it, it's always nice to see that. So, and you know, they're, they're bringing the Italian bowl to Toledo and in, in, in yeah, 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 amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the member that we had there, he actually coaches uh, one of the teams over in the league that they have there, one of the professional teams that they have over in the league there. So he was really, uh, really, really into it. And he came and actually he wrote a book about uh, European uh, football that was published right around that time. And uh, so, uh, yeah, he, uh, uh, his name is Massimo, Massimo Foglio. So, uh, but yeah, he did come and actually he's he contributed to the Rams book. And uh, I'll give you a guess as to what he wrote about for the Rams book. Uh, Think about it. I'm going to miss it. I'm, I'm going to blank oh, out. The Memorial Coliseum. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, which I thought was, was a good choice for him <laughs> given sure. the, the, the <laughs> The Coliseum in Rome. So, uh, exactly. anyway, so yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I wanted to be specific on this. The, the the discussion that we're going to hear at Latrobe, which will be our Friday add-on, is Latrobe, home mm. of professional football, or are we? Uh, and uh, the society president there, Mary Lou Townsend. This is a a basically a uh, presentation that she makes about Latrobe's role, uh, and sort of looks at some of the fact and the myth from that. And then within the Heinz History Center, I think I said museum, is a Western Pennsylvania sports museum. And that's what we're going to be taking in there. And then obviously that's the Thursday add-on for earlier arrivals on Thursday. We try to fill the weekend with as much as we can. And then on Sunday, for people that are still around, that's when we'll go to uh, Akershire and we'll get a tour there. And we always try to see if we can get the sort of the Cadillac tour, so to speak, because most of these stadiums have sort of a basic tour that they do for just, you know, but we always try to say, well, you know, we're a, we're a history and research organization. And, you know, it's funny how I, I had to laugh sometimes in Green Bay. We got some of their tours up there that are associated with the Packers. And it was interesting because some of our members, you know, probably could have done the tour, you know, because they know so much about, you know, stuff, you know, because they were asking questions and more, you know, specific questions or saying, well, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just amazing, you know, how much our members know about, you know, particularly if they're from the Green Bay area or they're from the Buffalo area or from whatever area, you know, they're in, they know the history, you know, backwards and forwards. So we try to make sure we get that kind of, you know, tour when we, when we go into these cities. Well, there's another revenue stream for you right there. The PFRA uh, <laughs> national tour of stadiums. <laughs> personal tours and wow, you have a traveling show all year long. <laughs> well, you know, they have what in, in Green Bay, they have what's called the Packers Heritage Tour. Mm. Uh, and it was actually um, sort of a brainchild and started by Cliff Crystal, who's a Packers historian. And he's also a member of the PFRA. And uh, one of our members in Buffalo, uh, Greg Tranter, who's our uh, assistant executive director, thought, well, geez, we could do something similar to that in Buffalo. So he's uh, sort of pattering it after that. And he's starting a tour just like that in Buffalo. Nice. Uh, you know, and I, I've thought about, you know, we could probably even do something like that here in the Canton area if we wanted to, because when we were in Canton, we went to, uh, to Maslin uh, because their, their Maslin museum has a Paul Brown museum within the museum. Of course you have the hall of fame. And I know from talking to John Kendall, I believe that, that they, 
know where some of the you know key areas are in Canton, like you know maybe where the original Lakeside, you know, uh, park was where they played the games and stuff like that. So, you know, I I could see doing that in a number of different areas. I think Chicago would be interesting for that probably, you know, but, you know, I think some may lend it more than others, you know, some of the newer NFL teams, maybe not so much, but, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot in, in a Pittsburgh, there's, you know, a lot in some of the areas that have had a long, long history, you know, uh, you know, maybe not so much if you're in a Jacksonville, for example, I was just gonna say. Uh, yeah, but, you know, but if you understand what I'm saying, so, yeah, so that's another thing that we try to do is, you know, not just, uh, you know, we, we believe that it's, it's nice to not only have the discussions, but also, you know, see the area and see some of the history in the area. So we try to do that. Oh, yeah. Make it very tangible. Hey, there's a dynasty yeah. coming up in Jacksonville. It's coming. <laughs> you never know. Hey, you know, maybe 50 years from now, <laughs> you know, you never know. You never That's know. right. So, History yeah. waiting to happen. Yeah. 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 Profootballresearchers.org is where you sign up and you've got time to sign up. Is there a deadline yeah. to sign up? Yeah, um, actually, we have, uh, we're going to actually have the convention itself at the Drury downtown uh, hotel. And it's actually uh, the old Federal Reserve Bank uh, that's been, you know, transformed into the, the hotel. And we do have a special rate there, uh, which people can take advantage of. And all that information is on our website. Uh, and the cutoff on that is, I believe it's uh, 30 days before it's June 25th. Uh, that's a cutoff date for that. But we we pretty much take reservations for the convention itself. I mean, I get reservations up to the week out. You know, uh, you know. I mean, I try to I try to accommodate everybody. You may not get the special rate at the hotel, but I try to accommodate everybody. So, uh, but we do have that. And obviously, if we get to the point to where we feel that there's going to be too many people for, you know, an add-on, then sometimes we have to have you know, a cutoff on that. So I always tell people to try to reserve for those things. You know, we do have, you know, a cutoff dates for each of the add-ons too. So I do try to, to do that. But again, we try not to turn anybody away, but, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's it's difficult. So, uh, you know, at, th at this point, we actually have already received reservations. Uh, we start getting them, you know, but it gets, it starts getting hot and heavy once you get in the spring. That's when it really starts getting hot and heavy. That's when I start getting, you know, a couple of day and, and, you know, they start coming in until the, the event. So, yeah. So we have yeah, our yeah, all the information on the website. I, um, you, you have our, our Pittsburgh logo right behind you. Uh, and uh, uh, that was uh, designed by uh, Mark Durr, who uh, is our publications director. And he, uh, he usually does our uh, logos for the convention. So uh, uh, we're real pleased with what he came up with for Pittsburgh. Staying of beauty. We will see you there. We have our ticket punched, our, our hotel reserved. Uh, thank you, George, so much for all this great information. And uh, congratulations on the great work. And thank you so much for it. It's invaluable. We love it. $35 a year, folks. It's the best $35 you will spend. I agree. <laughs> Been a pleasure speaking with you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. And thanks for allowing me to uh, to plug an organization that I really love and uh, also our upcoming convention. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, sir. Have a great evening. You too.